I imagine many of you like me over the past couple of weeks have been introduced to the, the wonders of Zoom, the online video conferencing. In our new experience of social distancing with separation from, from work colleagues and from family and friends, it's been, it's been one of the ways that's allowed us to, to see and hear those we need to keep in contact with, those we long to keep in contact with. Although sometimes I've had the message come up on my screen that, that says your, your connection is unstable. The picture freezes and I wonder, the people on the other end, can, can they still see me? Or the audio begins to crackle and I, I wonder, can they hear me? But I think as, as well as those kind of things, uh, the current crisis has also got us concerned, not just over those more immediate and local connections, uh, but also with the, the bigger existential questions about connection. Uh, what is life all about? And what is community? And am I really connected into it? And is there a God? What's my connection with him like? Can he really see and hear us? Could we really see and hear him? And if you ever ask those kind of questions, well then, this part of Luke's Gospel that we've just read, it, it acts a little bit like a, a Zoom call and it, it drops us in onto Good Friday and says, Here's one of the places where you get to see and hear God. Uh, the picture Luke gives us, it, it's iconic really in many ways, so much so that you almost wonder if it, it's frozen. It's, it's those three men on crosses. But as you read Luke's words, you, you realise there, there's still movement here. And one of the things that's striking is really the brutality of it because we're confronted with what has got to be the ultimate in government-enforced social distancing. The cross was reserved for the worst of the worst criminals. They're being, they're being socially distanced. They're, they're, they're placed on the outside of the city on the cross and there's a, there's a rapid countdown uh, on their life. But for the Kenai, the distancing goes even further because in Jewish thinking, anyone who died hanging on a tree or hanging on a cross was considered to have died under God's curse. So you get the picture on Good Friday. It is, I mean, it is really, it is cut off from friends. It, it is, of course, cut off from society. It is being cut off from life. But it's saying as well, this is cut off from God. This is social distancing. But it's also divine distancing. These men, if you like, give us a picture of what it means for anyone to be, to be without hope and without God. And when you tune into the audio, it's pretty unsettling as well because you, you detect in these men's symptoms that we're all worried about too. There's a growing breathlessness with each of them. But it's not so much a problem with the audio rather than it's it's just the sheer rapid onset of the thing that's causing death because it, it literally begins to squeeze the breath out of your body, hanging on a cross. With nails through your hands, these men would, would be unable to breathe properly and the only way you can do it is by, is by forcing yourself up on, on the nails through your feet so you gulp some air down before you, you drop back down. So you forgive the quality of the audio and the brevity of the comments. It's just that every word costs each of these men more, well, more than we could imagine. We're given four gasped conversation between three men on crosses, two criminals, 
and Jesus, this one in the middle. The first criminal, did you notice? He, he kind of turns on Jesus in verse 39 and he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And you, you get what he's doing. It's, it's sarcastic abuse. He's saying, I thought you were supposed to be God on earth, the, the great king who's come to save. Are you, are you planning on flexing any of that power anytime soon? But the second criminal, he can't bear this. And, and he turns on him and he shoots the man down and he says to him, don't you fear God? And you get what this guy is saying. He, he's saying, look, even now, even now as we're about to depart this life, are you not worried even now? You know the way our lives have been heading. We've lived ignoring God. Is this how you want to meet him? With undeserved insults as your, your final act of defiance? Oh, that's what you, you see in here as you zoom in on Good Friday. And I guess you could think, well, well, okay, but but what have three breathless men on crosses really got to do with us in our situation? But I think at that point, the Bible would step closer and say, look, their story on Good Friday is really our story drawn large. All of us, we're all becoming breathless. I was speaking to one of my sisters on the phone just the other week. We were talking about the coronavirus and and she said in a passing comment, I, I suppose, I suppose this might even be the last time we get to speak to each other. It felt a bit dramatic. But lots of us are beginning to have those doubts at the back of our minds with, with coronavirus. For you, you, you know the way it's working. For you, you might not even notice the symptoms. For me, it might become much more serious. I mean, it can even reach Downing Street. So what if, what if this is it? But really, it's not just coronavirus. For all of us, death, death actually always looms over us. The number of breaths we've got, they're always becoming fewer. All COVID-19's done is, is to press it a little bit closer for everyone at the same time. And, and it seems we're pretty uneasy about it. We're all being forced to reckon with what these three men faced. So what do you do? What do you do when you notice that the countdown on your breathing has begun? And if you ask the question, is there a God we can see and hear? Then Good Friday says, this is where you find him. Here's what you see. See Jesus occupy the place that only we deserve. One of my social fears was realised a couple of years ago by a friend of mine. He, he was at a wedding, went on to the reception with friends. He was enjoying a, a drink before uh, they went into the meal. Then the time came to be seated and he did what everyone did. You, you went over to, to the seating plan and had a look for his name to see which table he was on. And it was that point he discovered that his name wasn't there. His name wasn't anywhere on the seating plan. He'd misread the invitation. He'd been invited to the wedding, but he'd not been invited to the reception. He was awkward. He'd feel embarrassed 
tried to slip out because he was now feeling, well, really quite out of place. And I think many of us have got that experience of feeling out of place at the moment. Many of us are having that daily. Some of you, I imagine, will be working in the NHS, doing an amazing job, but the hospital now, everything feels a bit out of place. It's not quite what it was. Or parents, those of you who are parents at home and you're having to homeschool as well as the other things you've got to do and it's uncomfortable, you, you feel you, you can't quite do this. Or maybe it's just you and you're heading into three weeks into lockdown and you're, you're just desperate for a different location. However, as I've thought about this past week, often when I say I'm just not in the right place, what I mean is, is I don't want to be here now. And that is understandable, and I think that second criminal on the cross would have said exactly the same thing, but what's interesting is he doesn't say, I'm in the wrong place. Did you hear what he said? Verse 41. He said, We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. Here's a man saying, I know death's coming. I know there's a God. I know I've done things wrong. I know I'm going to have to face consequences. I'm not just socially distanced. I know I'm distanced from God. I'm fearful. But what I can't say is that I'm out of place. I'm heading for what I deserve. When you hear that, it's it's quite a remarkable and honest reflection at a moment of crisis. I wonder if I'll be that honest, approaching a similar kind of crisis. But there's more with this guy. It's not just his honesty. It's what unsettles him. And, and you realise it's Jesus that unsettles him. And did you see why? Verse 40. He is staggered that Jesus is under the same sentence as him. You hear him, verse 41, this man has done nothing wrong. The word he uses for, for nothing wrong there is, it's actually, it's kind of like there's nothing out of place about anything he's ever done. He's saying about Jesus that this man, he's done nothing wrong. There's never been anything out of place about him in anything he's done or said. The only thing that seems to be out of place about Jesus is the fact that he's facing death, cut off from friends, cut off from life, and apparently cut off from God. Now, I imagine this criminal was, was speaking better than he understood, but it's the message of the whole Bible about Jesus, that he came not to die for, for what he deserves, but for what we deserve. Uh, there's one modern hymn writer who captures it this way. Through the kisses of a friend's betrayal, he was lifted on a cruel cross. He was punished for the world's transgressions. He was suffering to save the lost. He fights for breath. He fights for me, loosing sinners from the claims of hell. See, if you ever ask, what on earth has God done for people? Good Friday says, come and see God on earth, occupying the place that only we deserve for the things that we've done wrong.
taking the consequences of our sin, and not just our, our social distance, but our deserved divine distance. And if you want to know why he does it, well then as well as seeing him, you need to hear him. Hear Jesus offer the place that only he can give. They say sometimes, I'm sure you've heard people say that even people who've thought little about God pray when the pressure's really on. And this man prays, verse 42. It's only nine words. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's not long, but it tells us a lot about what he's, he's thinking. Now here's a man who's, who's convinced well, he's convinced his physical death is not going to be the end of his life. He's convinced that there's, there's another life to come, that it's actually going to be more important. He's also convinced that Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And not only is Jesus the king of that kingdom, but that, but that Jesus wants to share it with other people. And he's also convinced that the way in is not going to be by claiming that you've been good enough but by acknowledging that death is what you deserve and asking Jesus to be the good king who will remember and save you. He is convinced that Jesus is what he always claimed to be, the only one who can forgive, that in some way he's occupying the place we deserve so that he can offer the place that only he deserves. And it's to that prayer that Jesus, on Good Friday, presses himself up on the nails through his feet so that breathless he can gulp some air and say good news to this man, the one who trusts him. Verse 43, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus is talking about heaven, but he, but he uses the word paradise. It's an unusual word in the Bible. It brings up the idea of a garden, uh, not so much something like this that I'm sitting in, something much more expansive, a place you could be with lots of others in. But the others Jesus mentions, well, in the first place, it's himself, the God who became one of us. And you see what Jesus is offering. It's finally an end to any kind of lockdown. It's an end to any kind of being socially distant from other people. But more importantly, it's an end to divine distancing. And it's not given because you've been good enough or done enough things, because the criminal on the cross hadn't done anything that could merit him being called good enough. No, all he'd done was to humbly trust Jesus, to, to put his faith in him and ask Jesus to remember him, to, to save him. Good Friday says, see and hear. God in Jesus occupied the place that, that only we deserve so that he could offer us a place that only he deserves. I don't know what's going to happen for you uh, or for me in, in the next few weeks, but it, in the days ahead, if you find yourself breathless, remember that God in Jesus loves you and he became breathless so that he could save you, not just from coronavirus, but from what looms over all of us, 
uh, death and separation from God. And if you trust him, even if you face your final breath and fall out of this life, you would only fall into the saving hands of Jesus, who will always remember you. And the next thing you'd hear him say is, today, you will be with me in paradise. If you're trusting Jesus, that's what Good Friday has brought to you already. And if you're not, that's what Good Friday offers you if you'll receive Jesus. We're going to pause now uh, and listen to a song being sung to us. It's a time for us just to reflect on the things we've been thinking about, to reflect on what Good Friday is about, and perhaps if you want to, to pray yourself. And then after that, uh, Rachel Browning is going to come and lead us in a further time of prayer and reflection.